If you will, go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and that's going to be where we're going to study from this morning. The longer I'm blessed to live on this earth, the longer I realize that attitude plays a, a very large impact on our life. To me, my attitude is more important than facts, more important than knowledge. It's more important than, than the past or the present or the education or the money. Attitude plays a, a vital role on me mentally. I believe that uh, the attitude can break a company. You, you look at some of the, the tweets, if you will, of some of these large companies where the president has said a racial slur or has, has said this, and ultimately it, it affects the company. Our attitude can affect our home. It can affect our congregation. The remarkable thing is that we have the choice every day to decide how we're going to use our attitude. Are we going to use it correctly or are we going to allow things to creep in our life and allow us to use our attitude and, and uh, impact people negatively? I'm also convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And I read this quote the other day and it kind of fits in. It says, it all begins and ends in our minds. What we give power to has power over you if we allow it. So this morning we're going to study about our attitudes towards certain subjects that is found in Romans chapter 12. The highest honor that one could be called is a child of God, 1 John 3 and verse 1. And one way that we can demonstrate our Christ-like attitude is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Every day we have the choice to either allow our attitude to be like Christ or to be like the world. Second Peter 3 and 18, Peter stated that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to continue striving to improve. The author of Hebrews condemns the Christians for not growing in Hebrews 5 verse 12 where it says, For when a time you ought to be teachers, you need to be taught again. They had been taught out of the old law that they had been previously under. They taught the truth and now they're trying to go back. So they had to take time out of their life and teaching others and reteach them when they could have been that time spent teaching someone else. Paul in Romans chapter 12 identifies several attitudes that we should have towards ourselves towards others as we identify ourselves as a child of God. <clears throat> now I think everyone in this room could agree that we all need an attitude check or an attitude adjustment. Uh, my son's attitude adjustment comes in the form of a spanking, whereas mine comes in the form of my wife looking at me and just giving me that look. So if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. When your wife gives you the look, she's like, you better, better put that in check. So... From time to time in our lives, we need to have our attitude adjusted, if you will. <clears throat> and this morning, I hope that it's through God's Word that we learn to make sure our attitude is in line with Scripture. If you will, let's look at verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at what our, our, a Christian's attitude toward, should be towards our body. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Caring for our physical body is a matter of stewardship, meaning we have been given, uh, let me think, we've been entrusted with the power of taking care of a body that typically is not, is, is not really ours. We're managing our body. It's not ours. A steward, uh, as stewards of our physical bodies, we are admonished to present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. 
We're challenged to love our bodies. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, it says, Men ought to love their wives as he does his own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh and not nourisheth or cherisheth it. So basically he's saying, you love your body, you're going to take care of it. You should take care of your body just as much as you take care of your wife. The Bible also considers uh, our physical bodies as being separated from the immoral things. In Romans 6 and verse 12 it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. We have to take care of our bodies in order to be pleasing unto God. We must remember in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 it says, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify your uh, God in your body. Our bodies should be used to do the Lord's work. Our bodies are members of Christ. If you read 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 15, it says, Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ. Therefore we should be using our bodies to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 tells us that our body is a temple. We have been bought physically and spiritually by the blood of Christ in Acts 20 and verse 28. As we continue to strive to be better Christians, we must be using our body in a way to bring glory and honor unto God. Let's look at point number two and verse number two, where we're going to see what our attitude should be towards the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God challenges us not to be conforming to the world. Conform basically means uh, allowing the world to shape us, to mold us, to teach us. 1 Peter 1.14 basically says, Do not conform to the evil desires of the world that you had previously when you were not a Christian. Do not allow those previous things to continue to uh, control what you're doing. Galatians 4.9 But now after that you have known of God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage or be enslaved? When we were not Christians, we were slaves to sin and to the world. How can we change? It says in verse 2 to be transformed. So we must change. In other words, go through a series of changes. We're never perfect. We're constantly striving to get better. It tells us how to do it in verse 2. It tells us to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That means to renovate, to make new, constantly striving, making effort. The importance of renewal is understood when we realize that our minds is the battlefield of the devil. Consider what Paul says to the, the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, but I, let, but I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity in Christ. We have to transform our minds. And Paul wrote to Colossians and Ephesians, brethren, he challenged them to renew their mind by putting off the old man and putting on a new through baptism. And I came up with a few suggestions that may help us. One is being willing to be willing to forgive others. I know at times this is hard to understand and hard to do, but it's better for ourselves to be willing to forgive others because when we do not forgive them, we are carrying around the hate, we're carrying around the negativity that this person has done to us. But if we forgive them, that should be gone. We should love others as Christ loved the world. We should let the peace of Jesus rule in our hearts. We should be thankful. We should let the word of Christ dwell in our bodies richly. 
We should practice what God has taught us. We should never accept mediocrity. We should never just be okay with uh, being in the middle. We should not allow anger to control our life. We should not allow our tongue to be used for the negative. If we can apply some of these basic biblical teachings, I believe we could change our attitude towards the world. Let's look at verse 3 and see what our attitude towards ourself should be. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. The Lord encourages us to possess a proper understanding of who we are and what we are. He, th- he tells us to think soberly in verse 3, meaning to be of sound judgment or of a sound mind, not to think highly of ourselves. In Ephesians five twenty nine, it says, For no man has ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it, even as the Lord's church. We have to take care of our mind spiritually, physically, and mentally. We must practice self-control, strive not to be selfish, and humble ourselves and be submissive to God's word. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. When we think humble and put God's word first in our lives, our attitude towards our self should continue to grow. <clears throat> there are many in the Lord's church today and in the world who have the improper attitude towards themselves. They cannot forgive themselves. They think the things that they are doing cannot be forgiven by God. They have a low self-esteem. They've been defeated mentally. They believe that they cannot be forgiven. They believe that they cannot be used in the Lord's kingdom. And they believe that they cannot be productive. This morning, what is your attitude towards yourself? Are you being humble and understanding that you're needed in the Lord's kingdom? Are you fulfilling your responsibility as being a Christian? Let's look at verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to skip over to verses 9 and through verse 20. Verse 4 and 5, we're going to learn how we should act towards our our brethren, our attitudes towards them. It says, For as many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone's members one of another. Now let's read verse 9 and 10. It says, let love be without dishumiliation. Let it be sincere. Let it be genuine. And then uh, King James verse says, abhor that which is evil. Basically means to hate that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. We are told many times throughout scripture to love our brethren. Without hypocrisy, it's easy to say I love you, but do my actions actually show that? This love that is we're reading here in Romans chapter 12 should be demonstrated in our actions, not through just our words. How many of you ever heard the actions speak louder than words? I can tell my wife that I love her, but if I treat her like dirt, am I really loving her? And she will find out clearly if it's my actions or just words. I've been, uh, I really don't typically watch the news or, or anything that's news related because it's most of the time depressing. So I just did a search on positive things in the news and a few things popped up where people were doing acts of kindness and one popped in my mind that went on youtube but when on our mission trip this summer 
I can't remember if we was coming to Costa Rica or leaving, but a lady was on an escalator, and it looked like she never had been on an escalator, and she was a little older than me, and she had her suitcase in her hand, and she was trying to, you know, step, had build the courage to get onto the escalator, and then she finally gets on the escalator, only to realize that it's going up, and she wasn't holding on to anything, and she goes to fall back. Well, I noticed this young man dropped everything he had, and he caught her, and he held her all the way to the top because he realized she was not comfortable in doing that. To me, that's an act of kindness. Many people in this congregation do a lot of things behind the scenes that no one here knows, and they're not looking for credit, but that is an act of kindness. Let's look at verse 13. um, Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality, we must be friendly towards our brethren. Our hearts and homes should always be open to our brethren whenever they are in need. I know if, if someone was to call you in the middle of the night, you should be willing to talk to them. If they show up at your front door, you should be willing to talk to them. A good friend of mine, he's also a gospel preacher, when he was in the middle of school preaching, him and his wife were having a big argument, and she basically said, it's either we're leaving the school or I'm filing for a divorce. He immediately went to one of his instructor's homes, and it was about 2.30 in the morning, and knocks on the door, and the instructor invites him in and begins to talk to him. And he said, just call her and ask her to give me 24 hours of talking to you at school. That's what I think of being friendly and being kind and being there and supporting one another. We need to use our homes as a place of fellowship. Invite people that you typically don't sit beside in the pews. Invite people that you typically don't talk to on Sunday services into your home and and have a dinner and have fellowship with them. Let's look at verse 15. It says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We must be compassionate towards one another. When someone is not having a good day, sit down and talk to them. Sit down and, and try to reason with them and see what they're going through and see if you can be an aid in helping them. Let's try to understand their feelings, even though you might not understand what they're going through, but try to understand. Let's look at verse 16. It says, Be of the same mind one towards another. We must be of the same mind. Unity in God's eyes is a must. It's a beautiful thing, but we must strive to keep unity. As Christians, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of a bond of peace. In other words, we must everything we must do must promote and to achieve unity. This means to learn to forgive and to forget and not to get upset over some petty things and allow this little something to come between you and another brother or sister in Christ. Verse 18. If it be possible as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Remember, Jesus pronounced a blessing to those that promoted peace in Matthew 5 and verse 9. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Our attitude towards our brethren is important. Now let's look at our attitude towards our talents in verses 6 through 8. Having them gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The Bible affirms that Christians have been given at least one talent. Jesus teaches us that our talents are different in number and different in 
uh, and distribute according to our own individual's abilities. Just in the last few weeks, I've been highly encouraged by some of the young men in the congregation. Uh, well, Luke's not even here. I was going to talk about Luke and how he came up and led a prayer last Sunday or the uh, last time the youth led the service. That's the first time he's really even spoke in public, I would imagine. And he comes up and leads a prayer in front of 300 people. He's trying to use his abilities that God has given him. I think about the young man that came and took over Bible Bowl for me and, and led the group and was teaching the young kids on how, to, how Bible Bowl basically runs. And he was sitting there and studied with them. It's encouraging. See these same young men waiting on the Lord's table that may not be comfortable standing in front of an audience, but they're trying to improve and use their talents. Yet there are some that may not be using their talents, and if you're not using your talents, I want to ask you to read Romans 11, verse 22. It said, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. We must be using our talents in a positive way that brings honor and glory to God. Now let's look and see what our attitude should be towards sin in verse 9. Let love be without dishumiliation. Let it be sincere and genuine. Hate that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Sin is basically defined as lawlessness, unrighteousness, a failure to do what we know we should be doing, a violation of our conscience. What should our attitude towards sin be? Oftentimes... In my life, I've mocked sin, just basically turned the sin that I was involved with into a joke to, to make it seem lesser in my mind, if you will. Some people love sin and the pleasures of sin, while others minimize sin and the sinful behavior that it brings. Some will even dismiss the sin altogether. However, the child of God, we should have... Uh, this attitude towards sin. We should admit that it is sin. We should abhor or hate the sin. We should shun away from sin. We should expose this sin. And we should conquer sin. Paul stated to abhor basically meaning to hate. When things that are evil in our life, we need to hate them. We need to get away from them. We need to look to, to other Christians that can help us get away from these temptations. Why should we do this? Because there's a consequence for every action. One unchanging truth that echoes through the pages of the Bible is that every action has a consequence. Every choice has a consequence. The consequence can be good or bad. It can be uh, immediate or it could be eternal. To help us make the proper choice, let us notice the nature and consequence of sin. Sin is deceptive. It sneaks in on you. It don't just, just throw a red flag and say, here I am. It sneaks in on your life. It's progressive. It's going to sneak in and it's going to continue and it's going to stay there. It's enslaving as we just read a few moments ago. It's wasteful. It's a waste of time. And it's divisive. It will trick you. This morning, what really matters to God is the inside of man. The hidden heart of the man, if you will. If we as Christians will embrace the attitudes of Romans chapter 12, we will be striving to be better Christians. This morning, what is your attitude towards what we just studied in Romans chapter 12? What is your attitude towards your body? 
Are you using it to bring glory and honor to God? Or are you defiling the body and bringing reproach? What is your attitude towards the world? Are you transformed or are you conformed? What is your attitude towards yourself? Can you forgive yourself and love yourself to promote Christianity? What's your love towards the brothers and sisters in Christ? What's your attitude towards your talents? The God-given talents have been given to you. Are you using them to bring glory and honor to God? Or are you just letting them sit idle? And what's your attitude towards sin? Are you a lover of sin or are you a hater of sin? In verse 9 it said, And cleave to that which is good, and God is good. This morning if you're here and you realize that you have failed in any of these areas, we ask that you would come forward and make it known. We ask if you're not a New Testament Christian and you have been studying the Word of God and you have decided that today is the day you want to put on Christ in baptism, we're here to pray for you, we're here to support you, and we're here to love you. If you have any need, we ask that you stand as we sing this song.